0: we have a space and we have created space as leaders for people to talk about their history and how they feel about certain things and what they feel the company should say or shouldn't say in certain situations, making a space for those safe conversations to happen. And so that you can be yourself and have empathy. I think that's the big thing. It's not, hey, mine is better than yours, yours is better than mine. It's like, well, let me try to understand why you're saying that. Can you try to understand where I'm coming from? And that kind of back and forth is is really key. So Yeah, we're learning a lot, and and I'm learning a lot, and and we're all being vulnerable, especially from the top. What is up, you sexy bastards?
1: It is your boy, Eagle Scout, aka Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talk to my very good friend, Pat Flynn, an entrepreneur, podcaster, collector of Pokemon cards, and excellent father and husband. His online business, Smart Passive Income, is a seven-figure company and reaches over one million people per month. He also hosts one of the most popular podcasts, Smart Passive Income. Make sure to check him out, Deep Pocket Monster on YouTube. Pat Flynn on YouTube, as well as his product on the AppSumo Marketplace, which is 123 Affiliate Marketing by Pat Flynn. Now, I don't normally trust affiliate marketing. I trust 100% Pat Flynn. So I check that out on the AppSumo Marketplace 123 Marketing by Pat Flynn. Now, if you've ever wanted to learn about developing emotional maturity and keeping things interesting in your own business, you are going to love this episode. In the conversation, you'll enjoy three gigantic things. Number one, the importance of having people you can be open and honest with. I had some really interesting conversations about that. Number two, why we appreciate the reward more when the journey is really hard. And three, how he made more money from Pokemon than he did as an architect in nine months. Enjoy those three things plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we dive in, my homie, Professor Brian Keating, host of the Into the Impossible podcast, wrote a new book. His book is Think Like a Nobel Prize Winner. Now, he did not win the Nobel Prize, but he is a genius, and he's super rich, and he has a telescope at his house, like a crazy house, and the house is super rich. This is, the guy's amazing. Really, really interesting guy. Check out his book if you want to think like a Nobel Prize winner. He's also a really interesting connector. His website is Brian Keating, that's dot com, and unlock your inner Nobel Prize winner today. Also, check out appsuma.com. We are giving a million dollars away for our Black Friday marketing fund to you. So do you have an ebook, an online course, a template, software, or any other digital product that you want to promote to millions of entrepreneurs? We will pay you for it. Here is how to cash in. The first 400 products to go live are going to receive 1000 bucks. The next 2,000 of them are going to get $250. Everyone is entered to be one of the 10 lucky winners of $10,000. Damn, we're giving away a lot of my money for y'all. I am happy about that. Go check it out at appsumacom slash BFF to be a part of the $1 million Black Friday Fund. Also, a special pre-show shout out to a listener, we, me, they of South Africa. I love South Africans, by the way. They love you say mind shifting. We're play it three times. Slow down and listen. I know I talk fast because there's not a lot of time on this earth. There's a lot to go on. Wise words, life and business genius. Thank you and every other one of you gorgeous listeners. If you want me to shout you out in a future episode, leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. I check every single one of them. How
0: does Pat Flynn like to relax? Like, how do you recharge? Alone. As an introvert, that's how I recharge. I recharge alone. If I'm at an event, for example, I have to include time in the calendar while I'm at an event to just go away and and escape for a little bit. And usually it's watching Netflix or YouTube or something like that. And then I come back and I'm I'm recharged. And then I can take that to the next level by not just being in a hotel room alone, but if I have a choice, if I'm like going out and I can do whatever I want, I'll be alone on a fishing boat somewhere. Right. And I can just kind of be with me and just enjoy present moment. Cause I think that's what gets me to recharge is to like, allow myself to catch up with all the craziness and all the speeding up that I've been doing, leading into different launches and stuff. And it's almost like allowing my feet to catch up with, with my body, if, if you will, because sometimes I'm sprinting and I have to sit and, and just chill for a bit and then go on to the next one. If I don't do that, eventually my feet will come out under me and, and, and I'll fall and tumble or in our world, you know, burn out and you know, leave people behind or not do what I'm supposed to do or fulfill my obligations or whatnot. So that's just what I'm afraid of. And I, and so I have to schedule relaxation time in. it's literally in the calendar.
1: Kind of embarrassed to admit this. I have a massage lady come over at noon
0: every Wednesday. I'm not We've gotten massages together. Remember that was your idea. <laughs> Happy head. So it, that, one, so that's literally what it was called. Happy head. Or it was something crazy. Like
1: that. They only had one table in the whole thing. They're so like you two, same table, one massage. We can
0: stack it kind of,
1: you know. Yeah, it's, you know, science. So two things I was curious to to go on that with Pat, uh, with you. Number one, I'm guessing, how the fuck you've done this so long?
0: I am an old man in this space.
1: Well, people, like all these millennials work for a month. They're like, man, I am burnt out. I'm like, you literally haven't even done anything. And, you know, you have been, you invented podcasting. Podcasting, if you rearrange the letters, it's Pat Flynn. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's an acronym.
0: Pat is in there, that's for sure.
1: I don't know. I'm just like, that was something I'm, I think- It's undervalued as like consistency over long periods of time. And i always admire it. And I think you're one of the best. Thank you. So I'd be
0: curious to hear more about that. How do I do that? I keep it interesting, right? I'm always updating, upgrading, um, trying to have a new goal that I could sort of challenge myself with. I think that when it comes to consistency, it's when people are complacent, when consistency becomes boring. And when things become boring, they just, you know, we don't put our energy into it anymore. So I continually have more and more energy because I'm always trying to up level and look at the next thing and try something new. And I, I'm very curious, right? I think that's, that also keeps me going is that curiosity. Well, what else might I be able to do? Or how might I be able to do this better? Right? And I think beyond that, I've been lucky enough to connect myself with people who can be prime examples of what the next step could be, right? Like when I first started out, I just wanted to survive. I had gotten laid off and I built this business in the architecture space. And I was just like, I just need enough money to, 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 Pay for food. (laughs) And so I saw people who were building businesses and they weren't making millions. They were just making enough. But I saw what they did. In particular, there was a guy named Cornelius Fitchner who was helping people pass the project management exam. I actually heard a podcast that he was on. And I basically followed his steps and helping people in the architecture space in a very similar way with an exam in the architecture space. And so he was like my first North Star, if you will, as far as like, that's that's like the next stage. And that's where I want to go. That's like boss level one. And then you get to uh, level two and then you need to find the next boss, right? Or else why are you playing the video game? You're just gonna keep going and going and eventually get bored of it. So I have to have these bosses at the end every single time. So after getting to a point where I felt okay with the money that was coming in, I was like, okay, how, how might I be able to thrive, right? Who here is thriving? And I found other people who were doing that and then like fast forward, fast forward. Now I'm at a point where I've been doing this for a while and I'm looking ahead even further. I'm looking five, 10 years down the road. I'm looking at people like Michael Hyatt, who has been able to, in a way, step away from the business that he created to spend more time with family and do more of stuff in semi-retirement, if you will. But the company still runs and his kids are running it. I have kids. That'd be awesome if my kids could somehow become available. So he's paved the way already. And I think that's my secret to success always is who has done the thing that I'm interested in doing before me, because they've already made mistakes. They've already potentially laid out the roadmap. And they might even just tell me directly either as a mentor, or I can pay them or, or what have you. That's like, literally every part of my life, I go, okay, who's done that before? Like when I ran triathlons, like just that's my fast forward button.
1: No, nah, we got to make it harder. Like, why don't you make it harder on yourself? Make what? harder? Just, you're making it too easy for yourself. <laughs> no, I like I, it's funny, because I think we I make it harder in the sense of like, you're like, that person's already figured out a lot of these things. Oh, right. Like at, at AppSumo, we, we talk to someone who is a chief people officer. We just talked to her for like ten minutes, and it just blew our mind how much she already knew what to do that we were just trying to figure out. And I like that you're applying that in different areas. Or thinking, I'm guessing you do that as well—triathlons,
0: your business. Yeah, for sure. With so, Chief, what was it, Chief? What Chief People Officer? Officer. So if she speaks to three people, that'd be a C3PO. Actually, that'd be true. So. God, God. Sorry, I worked too hard for that one. There's got a, that one. Yeah. You tell, I was like thinking about it. Anyway, no, I love that, but I think that. Sometimes we feel, and this is how I felt in the beginning when I was trying to figure things out. I was like, I have to do everything myself and I can figure it out and potentially I could, but how much time would I waste trying to figure things out that I can use instead for after I figure things out? And then I could put my own style or twist onto it. So I can find somebody who can give me a foundation to show me how to get to here, but then I can go, okay, now I'm going to put the special sauce on it, right? That'll make it different than what everybody else is doing and hopefully make some more noise and allow me to grow even faster and get there quicker than this person did. Yeah, that's kind of the approach I always take. Well, I want to take a step back uh, on that. Is it How is Pat Flynn? How are you? Pat Flynn's good, man. I'm good. The kids are getting older. My son is 11, turning 12 in December. My daughter just turned nine. And a lot of people who follow me online were there when my kids were born. I didn't like stream it or anything, but I did talk about those moments and how much that changed me. That made me more productive because every second I was wasting on, name platform here was a second that I was taking away from my kids. So that helped me hone in on, okay, well, what is actually important here? What are the levers that if I move are actually going to do something rather than just make me feel like I'm doing something? So the fact that the kids are getting older, I look back and I reflect on the many moments that we've had together. The first I've been here for every single first, and I can't help but be thankful that I've built the business in a way that allows me to still continue to be there with them And, you know, it's getting harder. They're not going to want to spend as much time with mommy and daddy anymore. And hopefully all that investment into the kids up front is going to lead to great conversations, openness, honesty. I'm not expecting them to do everything perfect, but hopefully if they make mistakes, they can come to us and feel good about that. And, you know, I compare that to some other things, including myself and how I grew up with my parents. I mean, I love my parents, but I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could Open up in the way that I think our kids could because my parents weren't really there much of the time they were working so much. So I just feel grateful about that. I have a lot of time to play right with the business and how it's running. There are 11 or 12 full time people in the business now, which is bonkers when I think about it. Cause when I first started, I, I never thought I would hire anybody because I wanted it to be me behind my keyboard or microphone and, and just kind of easy, but it's actually gotten to be amazing because I can scale the business, but not scale me. And I can sit back and watch things happen and give responsibility to some of the team members and and give them ownership in in some things. And they'll take it in a way, in in a place where I wouldn't even consider that's so much better than what I would have come up with. And so now we're like, like I was Iron Man, but now we have like the entire Avengers team sort of all working together to make the planet a better place. I'm feeling fit. I'm feeling healthy. I'm eating well. and, And that gives me a lot of energy. And I'm, again, looking forward to the next decade. And I'm so excited about technology. Tesla and Elon and all the things that are happening in AI are just mind-blowing to me. I'm excited about a lot of the investments I've made in companies and as an advisor to companies to see where they're going. And I feel like because I have the team and I've built the business in the way it's been built, it's giving me room to give some of that energy to other businesses and help other businesses get started, which as advisor, you know, rewards all of us, which is pretty cool. Um, And I think that might be what life is like, you know, in my 50s, you know, I'm turning 40 next year, which is kind of insane. What day is your birthday? december 6th 1982 which is in fact the same birthday and date as my co-ceo which is sort of random put it in my calendar yeah tacos please i guess i need tacos too, <laughs> dude. when are you coming back to san diego
1: because you know tacos well you know the funny thing was that weather today in austin feels like san diego and i was i was scootering home i was doing errands and i was scooting home during lunch and i was like Oh yeah, this is why California is pretty much amazing. Because it's this every single day. Because we have like one nice day of weather and people are losing their fucking minds out here. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> like
0: I'm never working again. This is the, It's like we have one day. It's like you guys literally have that all the time. We do. But then you look at like, you know, the taxes that you pay and you're like, oh, okay, that's why. I don't why. care.
1: I don't give a shit. I, I feel like maybe because I'm also not paying them. But I, <laughs> I'm like, yo, pay, Yeah, how much is it to live in heaven? Uh, everything. Yeah. Pay up. People, yeah. I mean, that's like, why people cheap dude, out
0: on themselves way too much. We've lost so many people in the entrepreneurial community in California to Texas, to Colorado, to the East Coast, Nashville, especially for some reason. Uh, Nashville's great. And people always ask me, Pat, you could save so much more money. You could have a much bigger place. Um, especially if I go to Puerto Rico, 4% taxes like Johnny Dumas. But I'm like, I work harder so that I can be where I want to be. And I don't know why some people can't wrap their head around that. I feel very fortunate that I, that I have a business that allows me to be where I, where I want to be with my friends, my family, my mom and dad, and my wife's mom and dad are close by. And weather, beaches, that way's mountains, we can go snowboarding, that way's the desert. I think it is heaven, and I'm willing to pay for it.
1: You literally have the home of tacos like a drive from your house. I mean, you could drive down to Mexico, like the origin of, of some of the best food in the world. It's like, San Diego is such an awesome place. California. It is funny. I was having a moment. I was walking down the stairs yesterday and it was like, this is only the moment you're ever going to get. So I was just thinking like, oh, you know, it'd be cool to one day, like I was thinking it'd be cool to have a house in California and have a house in like Utah. And I was like, oh, one day in my life I could do that. And I was like, Noah, this is your life. And I was just kind of, I don't know, it tripped me out yesterday. And I was like, oh, wow, these are the moments and we can make these decisions and try to make these changes while we're here versus like, oh, I'll do it sometime later. Not to say to go do everything, but just a realization
0: of, uh, you know, what kind of story do we want to be writing for our lives? Yeah. I mean, number one, define later. People say that and then they, they never actually do the thing. And number two, you might not have a later. I mean, just so it'd be a little grim, right? Um, I think I remember watching a video a long time ago that really affected me because it kind of took me by surprise. But it was somebody rolling up on Gary V in the streets of New York. He was like, Gary, give me some words of inspiration. And he's like, you're going to die. And I was just like, damn, Gary's like, just, I don't, wow. Um, But then he's like, you know, you're going to die one day. And so why are you complaining about anything right now when you could live your fullest life and make decisions that would make you happy right now? So do you want me to show you around houses in California, Noah? I mean, I'm happy to. The further south you go, the more fresh the tortillas are. It's amazing, dude. It has crossed
1: my mind. And I've legit thought about just marrying a Hispanic woman, specifically Mexican woman, just to get it from the source. Like that would literally, that could literally be my wife has crossed. Yeah. My
0: mind. I mean, I would imagine if you learn the recipe, you know, anybody <laughs> could become the source. Uh, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. That's, yeah. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Can we talk about the beard? I want to talk about serious issues, but also the beard thing. The beard is a serious issue because I have no idea what I'm doing.
1: I'm a little just, and yes, we'll talk about marketing and emails and community and all that stuff, but really the beard. I don't know if I like it, Pat. Uh, you don't have to like it. The, for The people in the podcast really can't see it. I'm not f- growing my beard shave. for you.
0: Who are you growing it for? I'm growing it for my wife and kids uh, who tug on it and play with it. It's weird. And, you know, honestly, it's just easier to manage, right? It's like, who is it? Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs. They literally wear the same thing every day so they can get a little bit of extra time back. It's like, same thing for me. Maintaining the beard like this is so much easier than shaving every day. And with the little gray coming in, I feel it says something about, you know, my uh, position in this space that maybe I am a little bit older and wiser than the young guns who are coming into the space today. So I don't know. It's weird. Like anybody who hasn't seen me in a while goes, wait, what? Like, wait, you're half Asian. How can you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. This is why I'm keeping it because maybe it's a one-time thing. I have no idea. Uh, it took 20 years to grow. Leave me alone. <laughs> no, the, the, I mean, the story is in February of 2020, I launched a new course. It was an email, email marketing course. And um, because it was a huge launch, I didn't have time to shave. And so I grew with a short beard. But the launch was so successful that I got very suspicious, uh, superstitious, excuse me. And so I was like, I'm just going to keep this beard until the next launch, until like we flop. And so I kept it. It was like my lucky launch beard. But then it turned into the COVID beard uh, that everybody else has now. So I don't know. I'll be to keep it for now. I kind of like it. I've already changed my profile images. I'm not going to go back right now. So you know, it's too much hassle.
1: One thing I've been I'm talking about in therapy and dating is how did you develop your emotional maturity? I know that might be a strange question, but like when I asked you about the beard, I, I really like how you thought about it. What did you like about it? It was just more, you were answering it for yourself. And I think how you're approaching different questions, you're, it's coming from a mature place of understanding of who you are. So how did I
0: develop that sense of self is what you're asking? Yeah. I don't know. There wasn't like a moment where I'm like waking up one day and I'm like, you know what? I think I know who I am. That didn't happen. I know it's interesting, because when I say that, it, it reminds me of people who are like, how do you know, right? How do you know when you found your voice with your podcast, like you don't until you look back and you're like, Oh, sometime back there, I actually had it. I don't know when that moment was. But it just seems to be that I am now speaking my true self now. And I think it just comes with time, it comes with experience, it comes with failure, it comes with also seeing an outside perspective. And that means you know you can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. You need somebody else to help you see these things that you just can't see yourself. And so different mastermind groups I've been in, I've been in two for over 10 years now. And sometimes I feel like those people know me better than I know myself. So they can help guide me if I'm maybe going down a trek that I shouldn't be going down. I once got almost into some like black hat stuff way back in the day, because it was w- what was working with SEO back then. And people were like, that's not you, Pat. Like, how do you imagine your audience would respond if they knew you were going to go down this route or if this actually works out for you? And, you know, they would help me stay in my path. And I think so that guidance doesn't always just come from my own personal experiences. It comes from a result of seeing how I'm reflected back to me from others. Nobody re- really said it to me like that before, like the way you just did, Noah. So the fact that you are bringing this up and you are making even me aware of the fact that I can answer questions and it feels like I'm being me and, what not is, um, is wonderful. Uh, so, so thank you for that. And I think this is where people opening up to each other, people being honest with each other, uh, having a safe space to be brutally honest with each other with trust involved is, is really important, but it can be hard. It can be hard to find those people. And I'm, you know, struggling to imagine how anybody in the last two years could make connections, true, real connections without having the ability to meet people in person. That's just where all my best, most like strongest relationships have come from have been from people I've met in person, have gotten time to hang out with and share a drink with and have coffee with and meet at conferences and, you know, hang out at the bar after, like that kind of stuff. That's gone right now, or it feels like it is.
1: Yeah, I told my, I was having, I was playing squash with a friend of mine and I was like, I wish people would be more vulnerable. He's like, well, you have to lead with vulnerability though, meaning that you can't expect it of others if you're not doing it yourself, right? Like sharing things about that are going on, like I was in therapy and my therapist was saying like, no, you're bullshitting me. And like, you're not really telling me how you're actually feeling.
0: You got called out?
1: Yeah, I was like, I thought I was. And, uh, but it's, it's been interesting because even in the company, we had a, a leadership summit on Friday. Oh boy. And uh, it was like a no holds bar, but it, it was one of these things where everyone got to really share openly and safely. You don't realize because you're, you know, you're, you are in charge that you're the one that can also make these calls. But having everyone feel safe to, to speak candidly, the company this week is just not like on a, another level. And it's another level yeah. of the relationship. That's great. So definitely, like some area I'm trying to explore.
0: I think more companies need to do that. We're we're doing a training right now where we're we're working with the companies, helping us understand more about uh, racism. We're learning how to be anti-racist in the company, and that that's you know obviously those kinds of discussions, which could be very political, very polarizing on the team. The fact that we have a space and we have created space as leaders for people to talk about their history and how they feel about certain things and what they feel the company should say or shouldn't say in certain situations. This came about as a result of a lot of discussions that weren't really going anywhere last year during the pandemic. So I'm very grateful that I can see other leaders like yourself and your team making a space for those safe conversations to happen and so that you can be yourself and have empathy. I think that's the big thing. It's not, hey, mine is better than yours, yours is better than mine. It's like, well, let me try to understand why you're saying that. Can you try to understand where I'm coming from? And that kind of back and forth is, is really key. So yeah, we're learning a lot and, and I'm learning a lot and, and we're all being vulnerable, especially from the top. Yeah, man, I, I've been shocked. Like I came
1: back to be AppSumo CEO about two months ago. And I think what I'm surprised about is how much I'm learning about myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Selfishly, so I'm just like, holy shit, like interacting with these people, you know, working with our customers and partners, figuring out organization. I'm, it's also making me have to mature as
0: a person in a positive way. I was just kind of not, that's not what I expected. What's been the biggest realization for you reflecting on yourself as you come in as CEO again. I don't know. There's micro and macro.
1: I'm trying to stick with the the macro theme.
0: I'd say it's kinda of like two
1: phrases, which is like you have to show up and you have to put in the work. That's really the
0: the key. So does that mean when you came in you were like, I'm just gonna coast? And then it's actually not been that? Is that is that why you're saying that?
1: Yeah. It's like if you want anything anything rewarding is challenging is really what I'm saying. Is that it's I didn't think I was going to be coasting but if, you know, I, I guess the, what I, what I'm trying to reflect on is like the past four years I've been doing podcasting and YouTube and making products yeah. and it's all been good, but I don't think I've been taking it that seriously. And it doesn't mean it has to be this like 24 seven work all the time experience. Right. But there's something there about putting in some like serious work on the company and then there's people there and then there's money being made, money being lost. And I've really had to show up. Like what I do, Pat, is after every one of my meetings, I do a review. So like after this, I'm going to do a review of like how, like, how is my energy and how did it go? And then what do I want to do for the future? And I do that after every single meeting. And that like that's kind of a more of a micro-optimization uh, that's really led to me being a better leader in the company. Because I'm like, oh, these meetings I shouldn't be in or here's how we can change the meeting or I really like spending time in marketing or meeting interesting people or conversations like this. And it's like, well, how much of my time is even spending in that?
0: Well, it's micro in the sort of doing it individually each time. But over over time, across the sort of bird's eye perspective, that's macro going to make huge changes, right? And, you know, very James Clear, 1% improvements every time, that stuff exponentially, like, scales. So uh, I love that you're doing that. That's, uh, that's a, a vulnerability, that is a, a self-truth, and that is a self-observation, but you're not just not observing it, you're doing something about it, which is, which is cool. It's been hard.
1: I think that's probably the other realization is that, there's some high, high correlation that the harder the work, the more, the the higher the reward. I've been back about six months total and two months full time in the driver's seat. And it's been the hardest work of the past decade for me completely. I don't think anything's been harder than this. It's also been some of the most rewarding, like the most rewarding I've I've experienced. And so I definitely think that was like an insight for myself and others. It's like, oh, like, am I kind of chilling on it? It's like, all right, well, the the feeling is going to be chill and the feelings might be fleeting versus this is, you know, you're, building something to myself and our teams and our customers and partners significant and that feels more significant and i think that's you know proportional
0: to the amount of work putting in is that correlation or causation meaning it feels rewarding because it's hard or it's just hard because it's so rewarding right <laughs> i'm not sure like it makes me think of i've been watching a lot of naked and afraid lately where like they go to these different places and they're they have to survive i don't know it's just that's my trash tv that i give myself uh, every once in a while you know, I, I have a, a, a cheat day in my diet plan, and that's my bro. Don't cheat- you
1: don't have to explain yourself to me? I accept. Yeah, you.
0: thank you. And it's like these guys go out to these places, but I found that like the more difficult the journey is for them, the harder the weather, the um, more scarce the food. Like the more they appreciate after the twenty one days when they finally have a warm ja- a jacket and like Doritos or something, right? Whereas like I could go get Doritos right now. So that's like, do we have to put ourselves in those situations in order to appreciate what we have? Or can we just turn it on and go, you know what? This Dorito is amazing and I'm so grateful for it. Or is that weird? I don't know. I literally had uh, an
1: experience earlier today when I was scooting home, I dropped by my old house. And my old house has like cracks in it. It's falling down. It's all messed up. And um, I was getting mail. It was an interesting experience to be one so grateful. Then I came home to this house, like it's new, it's big. It's got windows and all this stuff. And I just felt so fucking grateful. I was just so unbelievably thankful to be able to have this in my life. And it was also an interesting thing of, um, you kind of have to sometimes revisit like being naked in the woods for a while to be like, dude, Doritos. Yeah. Because going by that house and seeing the mailbox, how sad it looks and how dark the house feels and small. And it just really definitely made me appreciate where I'm from. And also part of me was like, all right, you know, you can't also lose some of that edge that you have from days that were a little bit tougher. So it uh, it was a nice moment.
0: That's true. I think that's why one of the things I love doing the most in my business is having conversations with people who are just starting out. Because number one, it helps me remember sort of where I came from, right? Jenny from the block situation. (laughs) (laughs) But then I can go, well, I remember how I felt back then. So let me help you because I can totally empathize with you right now. And I understand how difficult this must seem or how complicated this looks. Let Let me simplify it for you the way I wish somebody did for me. And that curse of knowledge can be hard. Right When you know something already, it's hard to not know what it's like to not know it anymore. So that's kind of, I think, one of my superpowers is the ability to really channel like my earlier self and, and help people in that way, uh, which I know is not always easy to do. So anyway. I did have a question on that, though, Pat. I was yeah. wondering, you love Back
1: to the Future. If you could go back, and I, I, this is, I actually was like, dude, I've never really heard people people say this differently, but you can go back 10 years to where you started this business what do you wish you would have started or, or kept doing or not stopped doing when you started this business 10 years ago? You can go back to the future. You and Doc. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I got the shoes right here. I don't know if you can see them. Um, sure. the, the mags. Um, 10 years ago or, or technically 12 years ago when I first started my business, what would I wish I have known or, or what would I tell myself to do? Hire help sooner. I was so... Proud of the fact that I could figure things out on my own, that I got in my own way of growing and extending myself because I was getting into the weeds of things that honestly didn't even matter at all. I didn't need to spend, you know, a whole week learning CSS so I can design my website myself. Whereas I could have paid somebody just a little bit of money to do something much better and faster. And then I could have used that money el- or that time elsewhere to maybe make more money or develop an actual product or something, which I eventually did, but I wasted so much time up front. I wish I wasn't so shy it's not a bad thing to be shy. But I think it's bad when it's like, you're worried so much about what other people will think of you that you don't do things that you know, will grow your business. And I started attending conferences in 2010, 11 years ago. And I was so afraid to just extend my hand and say hello to everybody. Because I was so worried about what people would think of me. And I think those are remnants of high school and bullying and things like that, that that happened in my childhood. So, you know, I learned my way out of that. And I think the way I learned was those little micro conversations I had that turned into much bigger ones. And I became friends with people like Chris Ducker and Shalene Johnson and Michael Hyatt and all these other people who I met in person at these places who have turned out to be so instrumental in who I've become as a person and how I've lived my life and my family and everything. I only wish that I started making connections sooner and started serving others sooner. I think for a little bit, I was very, and maybe this was more of a survivalist mentality, I was like, I need to grow my business. Like, I need what I need to grow. And I found out that the secret is, and I think this is a Zig Ziglar quote, I mean, you can have anything in life that you want so long as you help other people get what they want. And when I learned that, man, things started to just explode. I started to lean into, well, who in this space can I help? Because I know that if I help them in some way, it's always going to come back in one way, shape, or form. And it always has some way. Like, the universe just has a fun way to do that. I've been doing that lately in a new space, in the Pokemon space on YouTube, and it's been killing it. Dude, it's growing faster than my SPI stuff right now, because I immersed myself in that space, figured out who was there. And then before I even grew my stuff, I was like, let me help you with your stuff to all the other influencers and and authorities who were there to a point where when I launched my channel in January of 2021, they were like, yo, you've been already so helpful. I'm going to I'm going to give you shout outs. I'm going to make sure people go there. We're going to do collabs right from the beginning. And six months prior to that. I didn't know anything about Pokemon or this space. I'd like to keep not knowing about Pokemon in my life, but I'm really happy for you. Thank you. You don't have to know about Pokemon. It's just a hobby that I have that is uh, already making more money than what I made <laughs> as an architect in just nine months. Han, all right. Now I love Pokemon. So, Han, what do I buy? <laughs> no, I like even e- like okay. You could invest in cards like you would sports cards or you know anything that has a value that in market fluctuation, right? you know, buy low, sell high kind of thing. But that's not what i am doing. This is the crazy part of it. So I'm opening cards and talking about the history of them and sharing them and, and getting people excited about them. I'm bringing my superpower of high quality video and storytelling into the space, which nobody was doing in that space. And I'm getting money through ads and through sponsorship deals, 5K per video sometimes. And so I can use that money to then buy even crazier cards or things to open that will then be filmed and then help make me more money which then i can buy to add my collection film that and it just becomes a cycle and i've been starting to now inject giveaways where i'm giving away a lot of this money and i'm definitely tapping into Mr Beast i watched your video with his manager that was awesome by the way thank you that was Mitchell yeah yeah th- that was amazing um and i've got to meet Mr Beast and tap into him a little bit so i'm i'm giving away 40k of pokemon cards this year on my channel and i've already earned more than that through the giveaways that I've, that I've done. So now I'm just kind of like continuing to flow that in and, and wanting to give back more, which is pretty cool. And it's been fun because it's been a nice little thing that I was just playing around with on the side that took off and it's still 20% of my time, 80% goes to SPI and things that I have responsibilities for, but this thing could become a bigger business than SPI, honestly, if I play my cards right.
1: Two observations with that. I've been trying to notice one of the things I wrote down and I'm, I'm mindful of is noticing my triggers. I think trigger has a negative connotation when it's really like positive, negative, neutral. What's happening when something happens that you're like, you like auto respond. And I think that's just an interesting thing to catch ourselves on. So it's like Pokemon and people, I'm just like, yeah, but it's also, okay, there's a moment. Why am I already discounting it? So that's one thing just to kind of, for me to reflect on, I think for the audience. Oh, you
0: noticed your own trigger about that, your own negative trigger about that.
1: Yeah, not negatively. I was just like, it was like an eye roll. I have like an auto eye roll when I hear it. I'm like, eh, whatever. But I also think there's, there's something interesting in understanding what's going on with that, that we can, you know, we have six minutes so I want to be mindful of. But I think the second thing that's just as interesting for me is how do you compete where there's no competition? And I think what's beautiful about how you're approaching the Pokemon area is like, hey, I'm excellent at X and over in this Y space, no one's doing it. And I could take my skill and go kick a lot of ass. Like I remember Justin Mares from Kettle and Fire. He worked at AppSumo, great marketer. He's amazing. He's just such a good guy, like really impressive. He's like, he went and did Kettle and Fire, the bone broth. And he's like, dude, I'm competing against Campbell's Soup. Yeah. Like you're competing against the best marketers in the world at AppSumo. Like I have to beat like 40 people in suits doing marketing. Like it's not bad. And so I think that's interesting that you said that. I like that as a how people can approach different opportunities.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't just jump in and go, hey, I'm going to bring this to the space. I knew that this was going to work. Like there was a 90% chance that what I was doing was going to hit the mark because I, immersed myself in that world. I was watching live streams every day of like people opening Pokemon cards and trying to understand what is so exciting about this. And eventually figured out that this inherently has an ability to hook people. Because you want to know what the rare card is and how much it's worth at the end of the pack or the end of the mystery box or whatever. And in the SPI channel that I have on YouTube, which is growing, it's doing well. That's a very hard thing to kind of Create is some mystery or some curiosity that will hold people to the very end. In this case, it's built into the actual industry and these things. And it's really amazing. And it's funny because I'm seeing a lot of people from the Pokemon channel now buy my books from the SPI stuff and the Pat Flynn books. Oh, that's cool. They're immersing themselves in that world. And then I have people on SPI like sharing my Pokemon channel with their kids and stuff. So now I'm more of a part of their life than just a business resource which is really interesting. And I think that a lot of my drive in the future to help with education and stuff, the Pokemon stuff could actually come quite in handy. Uh, However, I do see some very clear business opportunities where eventually I want to partner with Pokemon on stuff and and just see how far I could push this. I want to buy a warehouse that I could deck out in a studio and decorate it like a Pokemon stadium and actually have chairs where people can have pack battles which is where you open a pack of cards I open a pack of cards whoever gets the most valuable card gets to keep all the cards kind of thing and like let's just go all out with that and dude that would be so sick and so much fun I love you Pat Flynn you're like my I still I I've always said you're the nicest guy
1: on the internet or the kindest I'm going to stick by that thank you I was pulling up uh an email I wrote to Neville a few days ago I was telling Neville I was like you need to go copy other people's business models like he's doing com, and he has one subscription and he does a little bit of consulting. And I actually wrote about you. I wrote, I was looking what I wrote. I wrote, Pat Flynn has courses, lower prices than Ramit, but he also has physical and he has other types of products like community. Cause I was trying to give Neville some ideas of, you know, people he can replicate in his own business. So I, I was yeah. curious to hear a little bit behind the scenes of all the different revenue sources you have to kind of inspire others to maybe learn from you.
0: Yeah, I mean, for the last three and a half years, it's been online courses. Our podcasting courses our number one course. The next course behind that is our email marketing course and our affiliate marketing course, which has been very popular. There's just been so many courses. We have nine now in the library, and it's getting to a point now where it's kind of now hard to figure out, well, which do we promote and to whom we could have nine different segments and go down that route, but it starts to become this crazy spider web that just makes us want to explode. So we're exploring the idea of, you know, well, how do we combine that now, or maybe make it easier for people to get access to those courses? Because now a big focus of ours is our community. So we have our online courses, which are one time or maybe a small little monthly payment plan to get access to those. But now we have finally, after so many years, recurring income in our business for the first time, like ongoing recurring until a person quits. And that is through what we call SPI Pro. It's a premium membership program where other entrepreneurs can come in and see and find other people like them to network and to get challenged and to get pushed. It's not a content play it's not content. Our content is on our courses. This is community and accountability and connection, right? Uh, So that's doing very well. That's a six that turned into a a six figure business. Like if that's its own thing, that was six figures overnight, essentially, after we launched that in additional recurring uh, revenue, which is insane. I do have things like little side projects like the Pokemon stuff, which is doing really well. And the switch pod, which is a physical tripod that my partner, Caleb and I actually launched. In February of 2019 to a tune of about half a million dollars on Kickstarter. And that thing's on autopilot now. Amazon's doing the job for us on getting it out there. And what happens is people, when they see it out in the wild or an influencer has it on one of their videos, people go, what is that? It's so unique looking. It's so different and it makes life so much easier. It seems what is that? Boom. We're getting sales. We're, we're selling, you know, 15 to 30 units a day with zero ad spend. And my partner just had twins and I'm very busy on my business. So we're totally chill, just keeping it chill for now. And maybe we'll scale it up later or, or, or sell it. In addition to that, we have sponsorships on the podcast. I have a YouTube channel that's growing and, and we get sponsorships on the videos and also ad revenue from YouTube, memberships on the YouTube channel as well. There's a lot. It's pretty diverse. Um, and affiliate revenue from tools that we recommend and products that we promote. In addition to that, I'm an advisor to eight different SaaS companies in the creator space from podcasting tools to ConvertKit to Circle in the membership community space. It's just Sounds like a lot, but somehow I'm able to manage it. It sounds like a
1: ton, dude. Like I, I was like, how do you organize? I mean, that's a whole episode of itself. It's like how do you decide which ones to do, which ones to stop, which ones to yeah. like fix?
0: Well, I'm not working all on all of them at the same time, and I have a team to help support. Just, I mean, I'd love to get to a point like uh, with um, your beef jerky company where you, you know, you build it, it's there, and then somebody else is taking care of it now, and then you can move on to the next thing. So, yeah. Anyway, we'll have to say that for another conversation. All right, Pat Flynn.
1: What feedback do you have about this experience? Was it your most fun chat of the day? It's
0: been one of the most fun 45 minutes in a long time. This has been a busy week of just work, 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 work. And I felt like even though this is a podcast, which is part of my work, this is just chit chat with Noah that happens to be recorded that you can all listen to. So I, I appreciate that. I want more just chill conversations to be recorded versus, all right, I have this really big guest on the show and I now have to like put it on, right? Like I felt like I got to take it off here with you. Uh, and I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, dude, I love you, Baffling. You're the man. Love me too. Keep eating
1: tacos, driving Teslas, living the poke. I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna subscribe to the channel. Okay, Deep Pocket Monster. Yep. Dude, next week you see me. I've like tatted up with Pokemon. <laughs> I'm like outdoors outside your house, like looking to. Do you still catch them? Do we collect them
0: or catch them? Uh, you can on Pokemon Go, but yeah, you still catch them. I'm I'm actually starting to learn how to play the game because. I haven't announced this yet anywhere, but I'm, I'm going to do a big push to try and become a world champion and vlog that.
1: How can everyone support you to becoming a Pokemon World cha- Pokemon Go world champion?
0: Just follow the channel. That's it. You'll see vlogs come out of me tiptoeing into the space and again, connecting with some of the previous world champions to get some training from. So it's going to be fun. Smartpassiveincome.com is the website with all the training and all that kind of stuff. But you're welcome to check me out on YouTube. Pat Flynn is the name of the channel and Twitter, Instagram, Pat Flynn. And we have uh, Deep Pocket Monster, of course, SwitchPod, um, my books on Amazon. But yeah, I'm sure there'll be like show notes or something. Or just go to smartpassiveincome.com or Pat Flynn, you'll find me there. That is a wrap.
1: I hope you loved the episode as much as I did recording it for you. Make sure to go give Pat some love. You can check out his podcast, Smart Passive Income, or the blog, Smart Passive Income. Number two, his YouTube channel, Pat Flynn on YouTube, or Deep Pocket Monster, which is his Pokemon YouTube, or 123 Affiliate Marketing by Pat Flynn on the AppSumo Marketplace. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo dog, let's go crochet together. And before you go, tweet at me at Noah and let me know what you thought of this episode. Also, check out AppSumo.com. We are giving a million dollars away for our Black Friday marketing fund to you. So do you have an ebook, an online course, a template, software, or any other digital product that you want to promote to millions of entrepreneurs? We will pay you for it. Here is how to cash in. The first 400 products to go live are going to receive a thousand bucks. The next 2,000 of them are going to get $250. Everyone is entered to be one of the 10 lucky winners of $10,000. Damn, we're giving away a lot of my money for y'all. I am happy about that. Go check it out at appsumacom slash BFF to be a part of the $1 million Black Friday Fund. Remember to go subscribe to my email list. I put my best tips into a single short email each and every week and have exclusive content for my gorgeous email subscribers. That's sendfox.com slash Noah, sendfox.com slash Noah, and create your own email list for free, sendfox.com. Finally, a couple of shout-outs to my amazing team. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com. As always, for making these podcasts, you're the bomb.com. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, Hubert, George, Sasa, Jen, and Cam from the Dork team for all the magic y'all do. And finally, huge shout out to the Black Friday marketing AppSumo team. Jay, Lindsay, Amanda, Mitchell, Nick. There's been so many people, Kellen, that have worked on this. It's going to be exciting as hell for all the marketing and the amazing deals happening over at AppSumo on Black Friday. Much appreciation. You guys are phenomenal. Have a lovely day. What's your favorite number on the keyboard? I'm not gonna tell you mine. I'm gonna tell you But I pro- it's probably six.